From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling and I am joined by my co-host, producer and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I am doing great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Once again this week, you're looking good. I appreciate it. I think you are uh, looking just as nice. And I, I think uh, based on the feedback that we've been getting from uh, this past week's episode, I think most people would agree with that as well, too, and uh, are appreciative that we were able to do uh, these these video episodes for you. The last week's one and then, uh, well, spoiler, this one is also video, too. We're not just going to turn it off after the intro here, <laughs> but uh, yes. it's, it's been a nice been a nice change so i'm i'm enjoying it mm-hmm. yeah it is fun and you know like um you had said last week we're not going to do this every week but we will do it when the uh, content of the show would support video exactly because so. mm-hmm. i mean we we typically record this on uh, tuesday nights starting somewhere like by the time we hit record it's usually around like 8 30 pacific my time so uh it's on the longer episodes the longest we've ever gone i think it was 12 30 <laughs> and but and you know usually we're we're recording for a solid hour and a half so i'm i typically will change into my pajamas before we get started <laughs> and record that way so i'm happy to stay in normal clothes right now for for video but it is it's cramping my style of being in comfy clothes for this so but mm-hmm. I, i'm willing to do it for everyone out there oh i'm sure everybody appreciates it although now they're going to wonder you know do you wear muppet pjs or or what <laughs> I, I mean, you'll never know. I do. I do say that uh, I joke about it with Kylie. I put on my tightest T-shirts before I go to bed because that way when I'm like tossing and turning all night, by the time I wake up, I'm like I must have lost 10 pounds because it's so loose fitting and I feel great. <laughs> and so, yeah, a lot of my Muppet shirts are from when I was I was pretty skinny. So that I, I do wear Muppet stuff a lot to bed. Now that oh, okay. <laughs> Think about it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not surprising. Well, <laughs> but well, speaking of Muppets, did you watch the Disney Family Sing Along Volume Two? No, I didn't get around to it yet. Something, something was happening on Sunday. I mean, I know it was Mother's oh. Day, but there was something going on during that time where I got, I got dragged away from the television. Um, so, no, I didn't have a chance to watch it yet, but I'm assuming you did. I did, yeah, because, you know, it opened with Kermit. Oh. And they did an old um, Muppet show, the original Muppet show sort of style opening, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's I thought, Mer- I thought I thought Kermit sounded a little more nasally than usual. So I don't know if he had a cold, you know, from being in that dank swamp. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then Miss Piggy 
made an appearance a little later on gotcha. in this show. So, but um, so the Muppets were represented, but Miss Piggy didn't sing, which was surprising. But um, but she was still there. Maybe. I think somehow she thought she was hosting the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I will have to watch it and uh, I'll try to watch it this week and give you my input on it next week. But yeah, that's a uh, it, that's it's interesting to hear. But you know, I, I mean, maybe some people don't have the maybe Miss Piggy doesn't have the technology to sing from home to to do herself justice. Maybe uh, that might be it. But um, yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And you know, it hit Disney Plus like right away. But uh, you have to tell me when you watch it what you think of Katy Perry's um, segment singing Baby Mine. Mm. And I, I'm just going to – I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I, but, you have me intrigued. You definitely <laughs> have me intrigued. So – but it, it was interesting anyway. But speaking of Disney Plus – I watched episode two of the making of the Mandalorian, you know, Disney Galley making the Mandalorian. Did you have you seen it? I, I did. I caught up with episode two. It was the okay. uh, I, I think I did that on Friday night. So that is something that I I will make time for every time there is a new episode yeah. released. Yeah. You know, I, I hope every episode isn't just people sitting around reminiscing. I, I, I get that. I get that mm-hmm. uh, aspect from it. I have a feeling that is what a lot of it's going to be. That's been uh, that's been kind of a trend lately with a lot of uh, with a lot of kind of TV show retrospectives making of that I've been I've seen lately where it is that roundtable format. So, I mean, I can't I can't knock it too much considering uh, I'm on at least I think four shows that are a bunch of people sharing their thoughts oh, well, and yeah, but, feedback from a, but you're not you're not talking about how you made you know yeah. a television series i want to see them making it yeah uh, it, you know i and, almost wonder if you know they clearly did shoot behind the scenes stuff i almost wonder if they didn't shoot enough and also maybe they didn't expect the response from the show they they ended up getting the the pure mania with it. Something feels like mm-hmm. they just didn't get enough, but at the same time, they now want uh, they now want to to do it some justice. Or it could just be a thing where by the time this is all said and done, and they get through all the episodes, they're going to end up uh, they're going to end up releasing a big box set of the Mandalorian the first season and it's going to have all the special features like that you're discussing but I I like the second I like the second one too the the part that I enjoyed the most and thought was the most fascinating is not surprisingly the one that's been shared online the most and that's Dave Filoni talking about the the importance of like the the lightsaber duel with Darth Maul versus Qui-Gon Jinn and Mm -hmm. and Obi-Wan so I guess that also speaks a lot of volumes to what the show is going for when my favorite part of the episode had nothing to do at all with the Mandalorian. It's yeah, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I did watch prop culture, the one on uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. And yeah, I saw that part where where he wouldn't let the the fellow um, touch the sleigh. (laughs) But I, I, I could sort of understand it though, because it, it did belong to the archives. It, and it, I, I was fascinated by what was around it. 
because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's some other cool things around that had nothing to do with Narnia. But um, yeah, I, <laughs> I think actually a lot of times, you know, you can't believe reality television like with any of the HGTV shows where, you know, you think that these people are stepping in a house for the first time and falling in love with it. No, in a lot of cases, they've already purchased the house and they go and they film themselves in other ones too to to have that that full well-rounded look at it the same mm-hmm. thing happens with any reality shows but with this one i actually genuinely believe for that big reveal a lot of times they aren't letting the actors in to see the props that they're seeing first before they mm-hmm. do i think it is a genuine surprise so that's i that's the part that annoys me that if it's great if you want the surprise factor but you know school them Leading up to that moment, say, you are not allowed to touch anything. You can look at it. Do not touch it. Do not get too close to it. This is property of the archives. Do not touch it. Like, I, I feel yeah. like they're probably not setting that ground rule enough. And yeah, or, like what you have suggested, have that pair of white gloves ready. So that way you can be like, OK, we will let you touch it. You have to have the white gloves on and then you'll be able to. So lead them in that way but i just uh, i don't i don't know i'll give it another shot eventually down the line or when they have a second season but he annoyed me yeah i i was i was hoping that that fellow was going to get on it just climb on it i really was i am glad though that they did let the um young actors touch the sword i i thought they weren't going to let yeah that one fellow touch the hero's sword so i'm glad that they did yeah no i i'm glad too i i could have swore though like I felt bad. The guy, the guy who uh, let them use Lucy's uniform in order to have all of them together. Like when, when that actress got, I think Lucy, it's Mm -hmm. get them all mixed up. But like when she saw her little tiny sweater and she had like that almost near breakdown about, (laughs) I was so small. I was like, he's not getting this back. She's. (laughs) Oh, and, and, and she hugged it and all that. It was sweet. It was a very touching moment. It was, but I I was was... sure she was stealing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, so speaking of which I saw your tweet earlier about that, that Mondo Tiki's and mine came Yep. today in the mail the sorcerer mickey mind i'm first of all yeah we waited a long time for this i'm shocked how big it is and how heavy it is it's cool did you open it up actually i did okay. just a little yeah yeah it's <laughs> i the box was much bigger <laughs> than it inside but obviously yeah. the top of the mickey hat yeah. they needed enough room for it to be safe yeah. so i was like okay i i Should- get that i was very impressed with the size though uh, should I unbox it? You can, yeah. Should I have an unboxing? Yeah. I've never unboxed before. I know Jeff um, Goldblum, you know, he said in one of his, you know, in his series, that how that's an art you know, to unbox. Do not drop but, it. Just do Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I Have you noticed there's a, suddenly a lot of tiki mugs on Facebook? Like Kevin, I guess Kevin Kidney and Jody Daly have designed a couple I haven't uh, seen tiki that. Tiki bird ones, yeah, and um, it's it's I start it's in my Facebook feed every day, and then there's a, a jungle cruise one boat. Here it is. Can you see it? Yep. Okay, because I can't see myself. And then look on the back. I guess Mickey sat on him <laughs> <laughs> on the broom. But yeah, this is 
big and heavy and nice. Oh yeah, no, you did I a was, nice job. The box is nice too. I was surprised. I do know the mugs you're talking about. You're ta- uh, they're Tiki Tony is the designer of all of those yeah. those mugs. It's it's just classic Facebook. If you say Tiki in the background of anything one time, then they will find a way to target every ad possible. Your direction. oh, I know. So. I know. Oh, I, I learned that a long time ago. And Carol and I would have conversations and then suddenly ads would pop up yeah. for things. And it, it's not like I Googled them or went on Amazon for them. So, yes. Yeah, I That's know. why I don't have Alexa or anything. <laughs> I don't want anything more listening to me. Yeah. And <laughs> I know right now in this, like, a lot of, like, because I am obviously pretty uh i try to stay up to date as much as possible with everything tiki even though i can't afford a lot of the mugs out there i like as much as i pride myself on tiki i i have a price limit on stuff where mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there who are like oh, 200 dollars for a mug no oh no deal. way and that's that's not my level with it but uh it's it's been a big thing right now since since everything with coronavirus is that you know a lot of people have been a lot of the designers and stuff they don't they don't do this full time so they've been trying to sell mugs and such on the side and uh it's it's cool i i've i've supported one or two along the way with it but mm-hmm. uh but yeah i I love this stuff. It makes me happy. Kylie just told me today after I had two tiki mugs come in today, the sorcerer Mickey and then another one, and she said, That's enough. You're you're done for a while. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, anyway. All righty. And um oh and uh, today unfortunately, you know, I'd said I was going to Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet in July. Uh notice went out today, it has been canceled. Due to the whole coronavirus thing. And I was hoping, gosh, that's July. You think we would be over, you know, things would be opened up by then. But uh, as a friend mentioned to me, you know, they probably needed to start planning it now. Mm -hmm. And things aren't open now. So they had to cancel it. So, but it's July 10th, 2021. So put it on your calendar for next year. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough one, but it's, I like, that's I, I totally get it because the thing mm-hmm. is with these conventions are going to be one of the hardest things to try to to figure out when we're on the other side of this. Like mm-hmm. just because it's we've been to them, whether it's D23 or or any anything like it's impossible to maintain six feet of distance. Like think about Destination mm-hmm. D trying to. You have a nice big ballroom, but they would literally have to sell a third or a quarter of the tickets in order to make sure that everyone had six feet of distance between anyone that, you know, they're technically not in their great party with. And even then, how do you how do you come up with the seating for that when there might be a family of four together, but then one person by themselves? And it's just it's going to be very interesting to see how like hopefully by next year it's it's all it's not an issue anymore but for for this summer every convention i think they're just making the smart move just just canceling yeah. it's not worth it I'm, well, i want celebration to get canceled now because i have tickets for that and mike if even if they were bold enough to do it i don't want to go <laughs> so, oh what star wars celebration yeah yeah oh, okay so. well i'm it's going to be interesting to see what happens at Destination D. That's in November. 
But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I would not be surprised if we find out that they're taking a year off from destination. Yeah. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Then I have to figure out, do I just want to go to Walt Disney world anyway? Because I, I have my reservations. <laughs> so I have to see. So anyway, okay. Oh, and well, you know, we, we talked about, I don't know. You talked about projects people are doing with tiki mugs and all that. Well, I started a new project. People might have noticed, and that is story. Uh, something fell on my foot here, <laughs> and that uh, and one of my notebooks. Um, and that is story time with Michael. Yeah. People might have noticed that that just sort of quietly popped up on the Diz Unplugged and and on social media and. I just decided that would be a fun thing to do, uh, you know, because Disney has been doing it and other sites have been doing it. And, but, you know, I'm doing it. It's keeping in line with sort of the mission of this show, Connecting with Walt, where it would be something that related back to Walt or something that had to do with the history of, of the Disney company. And I don't just read the story. I give a little background. Yeah on um why it's significant in disney for you know i i'm you know i used to be a teacher at one time and so i imagine that i'm sort of back in the classroom and i uh, and that i have a group uh you know a classroom in front of me a group of students or young people and i'm i'm reading to them even though it's for all ages but um that's just sort of how i imagine it when i when i'm reading it yeah. so the first one has already went out and that was on, it was a story about Mary Blair pocket full of colors and, and that got a very good reception. So we got a lot of good feedback on that one. The second one, I would think by the time this show airs would that one already, that one would have aired too. And that's on Walt Disney's snow white and the seven dwarfs. Yes, that that should already be up, assuming uh, no issues with scheduling or anything. But it it should be okay. it should be available if if you're watching this. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed. And if there was n- there were no issues with recording, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, all that because you never know what might happen. And um, with my luck right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so hopefully you know I'm trying to do one a week. We'll see if I can keep up that schedule. So um, anyway, and then I, I realized when I watched this show last week, I you could see the book that I was going to read. I'd already been practicing it and it was out. And as I thought, oh, what a cute little Easter egg. People would know what the next story time with Michael would be. So I've done the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> there is an Easter egg of the book I am going to read for the next installment of story time with Michael. So a sharp eyed, sharp eyed viewers, assuming it's visible, sharp eyed viewers can, um, will notice it. I, I can confirm it is, it is there. I, I okay. Have, I have spotted it. Oh, great. Okay. So, and it'll be a fun read. And it's it's a book we've talked about on the show mm-hmm. several times, and on the Disneyland Legacy show too. So, okay, great. Well, you know, as, as you know, several times a year we invite members of our Connecting with Walt family to become a part of the show by submitting questions for me and Craig to answer. Questions are generally about theme parks and resorts, Walt Disney's family, the Walt Disney Company, Imagineering, Disney films, and more. 
In our last episode, we answered as many questions as we could in the theme parks category. And in this episode, we are answering questions or as many questions as we can in all of the remaining categories. So, Craig, just as you did last week, because you did such a great job about it, um, I'm going to let you choose the first uh, question. Okay, thank you for giving me the first question, Michael. I am going to kind of uh, combine two questions together in our Walt slash Disney family category because we got two questions about Lillian. And so I feel like, why not? Let's just knock it all out together. And within these two questions, there's actually like six questions. So uh, (laughs) we will uh, clearly we need a show on Lillian eventually and just handle it that way. But uh, we'll, we'll try to tackle as much here as we can without going into too much depth. So we have time for other questions, but uh, Bonnie and Nancy asked together in two different questions. First, does Anybody anywhere have any quotes from Lillian about what she thought of Walt Disney World on opening day? I found one. I'm sure Michael found the same quote that I did, if not more. But then uh, as part of Nancy's question, she said, I'd love to know a lot more about Lillian Disney and also about their marriage and relationship. Walt could have been difficult to live with, and Lillian seems to have had a strong personality. It's probably what helped them get along. But was it a happy marriage, or did Lillian feel left out of Walt's plans? What do we know about them as a couple? Thanks. Well, let me let me first answer the one about them as a couple, because there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of erroneous uh, in things written about them, which is one of the reasons there's some of very popular biographies written about Walt that I don't care for because they misrepresent um, Walt's relationship with Lillian. And then, then I'll let you say your quote that you found about uh, what Lillian said about the magic kingdom. Cause I found a lot about what she said, especially about Epcot. Okay. And so that I think those will go nicely with each other. Um, Walt and Lillian had a very strong marriage. Walt adored Lillian. Lillian adored Walt. Lillian was very publicity shy. Uh, she, you know, she she liked to go to the events with Walt and all that, you know, openings of films and all that. But Lillian was very happy being at home. She had her circle of friends. You know, she played bridge and cards and things like that. She did sometimes ask Walt, why aren't we rich like the other like movie studio heads and all that? Because, you know, Walt poured so much of what he made back into projects yeah. that he was working on. But they still were very well off. Um, Walt, Walt, valued Lillian's opinion so much. He got her opinion on everything. Walt frequently talked about how um, he couldn't, he, you know, he, he, you know, he couldn't imagine not having Lillian there to, for her advice and her thoughts and her opinions. He bounced a lot of his ideas off of Lillian to get her input. Now, did he always follow it? You know, like any couple, yes and no. You know, they had a very playful relationship. Um, If you ever go to the Walt Disney Family Museum and see they have a lot of video, you know, family video in every um, gallery. 
there's always a section of it devoted to the Disney family. And you can see how playful Walt and Lillian were with each other. And there's some very charming photos of them um, where they're just, you know, casually hugging each other or holding each other. Um, so they had a wonderful relationship with each other um, when Walt passed away. And, you know, Lillian did remarry, but even though she did in, in an interview, she once talked about, and she was married, you know, remarried. She talked about how much she missed Walt and she is buried with Walt. And um, she always visited um, Walt's grave. And yes, he is, he is buried. <laughs> yeah, we addressed that last week. Yeah, we did. And, and, um, and she is with him. And Sharon um, Lund, there's a memorial to her. Her remains were, um, were, 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 were put elsewhere. And anyway, so very, very strong, loving relationship. And I heard Diane Disney Miller talk about that many times. And also even Joanna um, Miller, a granddaughter, she always talked about grandpa and granny. They call Lillian granny and memories of, of, of a strong relationship that they had and how and that it was clear they loved each other, but that they were very playful, yeah. you know, with each other. So I'll be honest. So I don't so, think I ever realized, so, you know, so if you married. read anything else. Yeah, yeah, she did. She married a dentist. And then he passed away. And then Lillian, you know, continued, you know, she continued, you know, she lived in that, that Carolwood drive home until she passed away. But, um, yeah. So, but, you know, and then she spearheaded, of course, the Walt Disney Concert Hall as as a memorial to Walt. Yeah. For everything he contributed to the arts. That was that was Lillian. And then Diane, you know, picked up the gauntlet um, for that. She did a good so, job. She did. Yeah, they both did. So anyway, now you have a quote. Yeah. Uh, what Lillian said. Yeah, I mean, I, I know the kingdom. The, obviously, you are the uh, king of research, but uh, I did what uh, most people would do when they get asked a good question. They Go to Google and just search for a quote right away. And the one that I found immediately is like the first result was from uh, from the Disney Legends blurb about Lillian Disney. And I laughed when I read it because it's like the simplest thing ever. Uh, apparently, she said in terms of attending the dedication of Walt Disney World and being there, she said, I think Walt would have approved Mm -hmm. yeah that's like it's so plain jane of a quote like yeah he would have approved i think he would have approved like yeah yes yeah because she attended the dedication you know to and uh, along of course with royal disney mm -hmm. but yeah that's exactly what she said and you know and then 11 years later she went back to florida for the 1982 dedication of epcot center and there's a wonderful video out there uh, of a few interviews that were done um at, i think it was at the uk pavilion with her and with uh diane and she was she was effusive for lillian uh, uh, on 
the beauty of Epcot. Uh, some of the excerpts that I took. So this is the for the 1982 dedication. She said it's quite wonderful. It's wonderful to. It's a wonderful thing to see all of this. Each time we come back, there is always more. It's beautiful. It couldn't be any better. I don't see how. I thought that when they did the Empress Lily and I told Dick Nunes, you can't do anything better than this. And they did. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, that was Paddlefish that is now. Oh, gosh, Carol and I just we ate there a couple years ago. What's it, it called now? Fish now. It is. It's Paddlefish yeah. now. It was something before that. Yeah, I can't even so, think of what it was before it now. Remember, yeah. It's been so long. But, but it was the Empress Lily. And, and you see all this, and she's referring to Epcot Center. She just sort of goes like that. And here it is. It's just beautiful. Every place we look, every little thing is, even the surroundings here. And again, they were sort of towards the back of the UK Pavilion where they do the um, the concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so beautiful, this and that, all of it. And then she said, he, Walt, meaning Walt, would have loved it. He would have loved it. And we think about that all the time, that he's missed the whole thing, even the opening of the Magic Kingdom. He wasn't there. It And it's all so grand. He would have been very happy. I'm so grateful that anything he thought of and started has come to pass. Very grateful. I think we all are. So grateful. It's such a clean, beautiful business to be in. I don't think this Walt Disney World was possible. Um, When I went with him to buy the property here, it was a horrible piece of property. Dust and everything. And he was excited about it. This was a big thing to do. God love him. He didn't get to realize what you've all done. It's all just here. It's all wonderful. It's beautiful. I can't think of anything beyond it. The quality of what they've done is so wonderful. And all of this, for instance, and I see all the details on the buildings. Nothing is done cheap. I think you can just quit right now. I mean the whole thing. Now I can put my glasses on. Just keep developing what you have here. And that will be the job. The beauty of the landscaping is so wonderful. And we thank you. So, so now, Lillian was less excited. I saw her in an interview about the opening of Tokyo Disneyland, a little less excited. <laughs> <laughs> she just didn't think at the time, now she hadn't seen the park, but she didn't think at the time going internationally was something the company needed to do. So, um, couldn't understand that. Anyway, but. But I think, I think it's interesting, her comments about the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, the Watt would have loved it, but just how grateful she was for how they, they worked hard to do what they could to carry on Walt's ideas, yeah. you know, so, so it's very nice. And I agree. We, I, I, I there's, I, I, yeah, we need to do an episode on the lean. It, it's, it's difficult because, um, you know, I've talked to Joanna Miller about it because I know she's interested in doing something too. But like her grandmother, she's a bit publicity shy too <laughs> because there's just not a lot out there yeah. about Lillian because she definitely liked being in the background. You know, she loved being a mother and a grandmother. And um, that's what she did. <laughs> I'll have to uh, the, one day tie these people down and get them to talk. So I know, I know. 
Definitely. So anyway, so those are those are both good questions. Okay. Alrighty. Um, a lot of some of these are a little hard to choose from <laughs> here. So um, anyway, there is an Imagineering question. Um, I, I and Ani wait, I guess I'd like to learn more about Kim Irvine and her history with the parks and contributions. Learned about her through Disney Plus, the Imagineering story, decorating Disney, etc. Craig, how familiar are you with Kim Irvine? I, you know, I I know you have a lot more. Uh, you have a lot more knowledge that you can always pull off the top of your head on Kim Irvine. But of course, I know I know a decent amount about her in the long run, like in terms of her projects and and work. Mm-hmm. So like she was obviously. Um, she she had with imagineering she she spearheaded the project with um it's a small world when mm-hmm. it was reimagined and uh, also did um sleeping beauty castle and helped out with a lot of uh um with the interior of great moments with mr lincoln if i remember correctly and mm-hmm. i i know that her her family lineage goes goes far back in terms of with Walt Disney because uh because she had very famous parents in the Disney realm. She did. And mm-hmm. uh and the fact is that she's still active today with Walt Disney oh, yeah. Imagineering and and probably will be for quite a while, but I'll let you get into the uh, yeah. the meat and potatoes. Yeah. And the reason I asked was I wasn't sure, because I know you go to a lot of the dedications and the, and the opening events. I wasn't sure if you ever went to anything where you, um, where she was present or for any of her projects when they were unveiled. No. So I know you get to hear a lot of people speak sometimes. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I haven't, I have not been fortunate enough to, to hear her yet. The one that I was bummed out on was when when the reopened rivers of america and walt disney world Mm -hmm. railroad uh, happened i obviously wasn't out in disneyland for that grand opening uh, dedication and such but she was there and and uh i i was bummed that i had to miss out on that one because the chance to interview her there would have been really spectacular but Mm -hmm. uh one day one day i'll get to to finally meet her in person yeah, I would love to. And yeah, so, so you know, if you need someone to hold your um, <laughs> microphone or something, give me a call. I'll be down there. Um, but you, you, actually, you covered a lot of her recent projects pretty well. You're right. Yeah, she is an Imagineer. She's the daughter-in-law of Richard Irvine, and who is an Imagineer also. And she's the daughter of Leota Toombs. Exactly. So, you know, Madame Leota. You know, of course, and Leota Toombs was an Imagineer as well. And she began her Imagineering career in 1970, Kim Irvine did. She founded Disneyland's Imagineering office in the early 1980s. Uh, so basically, the, there's Imagineering that works on everything else. All the other Disney parks, the cruise lines, the resorts, and all that. And then Disneyland has its own Imagineering department, all that. Kim runs that, and they just work on Disneyland. 
So that's maybe, you know, when people say, oh, something's a little better at Disneyland or why did Disneyland get that? Well, they have their own Imagineering office there (laughs) on site. So that might be one of the reasons. And she currently serves, I think she's like the art director for Disneyland. Um, But, you know, that that could change. She might be higher up now. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And a lot of a lot of design projects she's worked on she um did a redesign of the plaza in restaurant and she did the disneyland dream suite and the 2008 version of the sleeping beauty castle walkthrough and it reopened again and i think it was lovely because she really tried to harken back to the ivan earl design and with some some, even some of the updated special effects Mm -hmm and all that um that and like you said craig the 2008 2009 refurbishment of it's a small world she talks though about um you know she worked on that project and she was very cognizant of trying to stay true you know to the original you know theme and all that but she said you know when you get death threats <laughs> for things for a project you worked on, you know, she said, you know, that that's a little, it takes a little getting used to. But I mean, also <laughs> a good way to get used to the Disney fandom, not that she wasn't before, but uh, what it was sometime a year or two ago when she started speaking out about like hoping to one day reopen um, the, whatchamacallit the court of angels yes thank you yeah she just brought that up like a couple days ago again and that they have a plan yeah yeah i miss that she publicly stated it and um so anyway yeah so i'll I'll get to that in a minute uh you're right the 2009 version of great moments of mr lincoln she did again really nice version that i think goes back to what it was when it first opened, but, you know, updated and a whole lot better than that haircutting one. (laughs) And even though the Imagineer that worked on it, I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And, uh, and then uh, she worked on the 2013, 2014 expansion of club 33, you know, the jazz club, which I love the jazz club. I don't like that off centered window. It drives me nuts (laughs) right above cafe Orleans. It's not off centered inside club 33, but she stated just a few days ago that she's working on a compromise that would bring, uh, could bring public access back to the court of angels in new Orleans square and the 2014 remodel of Club 33 forced the closure. And, you know, this was a favorite spot for Disneylanders. And she said that while they're not ready to announce anything, they are working on something right now that would restore access. Um, she also worked on Project Stardust. And that was, you know, all that work we saw in widening exactly. the uh, pathways and things in anticipation of the large crowds they were going to get for galaxy's edge um the read and like you mentioned craig the redesign and remodeling of rivers of america and and the disneyland railroad you know they put in the left turn Mm -hmm. which had apparently never been done before in history of railroading the way they carried on about that (laughs) and i am i love what they did with the rivers of america oh yeah um that, you know, because they and the way that they had, because 
I was a critic, if you remember on this show, about shortening Tom Sawyer Island that, you know, Walt had created and designed. And because, you know, they had to shorten the Rivers of America in order to make room for Galaxy's Edge. But when they built that berm in order to hide Galaxy's Edge from Rivers of America and Frontierland, and then it allowed them to make those mountains with the trees and then that wonderful trestle yeah. that goes along there and all that. It just adds so much to Frontierland. Oh, yeah. um, it's a beautiful design. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely I, – I, I wish we could have our cake and eat it too because I wish we could have the, the full length of the river back and – and the entire island but at the same time they did just such an outstanding job with with everything else surrounding it that it's kind of hard to sit there and be like no i want it back to its old way since since they have plussed it so much but i i do think they did a great job with it but remind me if i'm wrong on this too is it that kim irvine you utilized her face for haunted mansion holiday she did she is she's portrayed the face of Madame Leota in Haunted Mansion Holiday because she was um, so close. Her features are so close to her mother's yeah. when they did the projection mapping for it. Yeah. And so, yeah. So so that's cool. Yeah, that is. Yeah. I saw someone. I feel bad. I can't credit them uh, on here, but I saw a tweet go out where someone pointed <laughs> out that because um, haunted mansion didn't open up after it was supposed to do an extended refurbishment after haunted mansion holiday closed uh this past year that if if it disneyland doesn't open up this summer and they decide to like open up directly with haunted mansion holiday that it could be the first year first calendar year where haunted mansion iconic haunted mansion hasn't been open at disneyland oh wow i never even thought of that yeah that's crazy. And have you heard what they're doing in a haunted mansion? Is it just a standard overhaul or are they adding anything? I don't think they were even adding anything. I think they were just going to take a little extra time to clean it up and make it look a little bit better for when it, it came back versus, you know, how they mm-hmm. typically try to rush to get it in and then rush to yeah. get everything back out. I think they were just going to take some more time, but it didn't even dawn on me and, until I saw that because I, I had assumed that it, you know, even with its refurbishment that it still had opened up at that point mm-hmm. once everything closed down in March. But from from what I saw there, yeah, no, it didn't. And so if if it was to if Disneyland was to say open up in in September or October, they could very well just say, OK, right back to Haunted Mansion holiday. Yeah. If they wanted to, which would yeah. be insane. But that would be that'd be crazy. Yeah. So and then and then, like you said, she uh, she did do the new color scheme for Sleeping Beauty Castle. What do you think of it? I like it. So I I like it more at night than daytime. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful at night. Yeah, I I I enjoy it. I'm not I wasn't overly critical of it like a lot of other people were. So Mm -hmm. I I think they did a fantastic job sprucing it up. Yeah, it took me a little getting used to. I didn't hate it right away. But, you know, I was so used to. The pink and blue and that color, but I like how I do like how it pops yeah. more and and uh, and the how it looks like now it has texturing to it and all that. I so I like it, but yeah, at night it's beautiful with the new lighting 
that they've done to enhance it. Exactly. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So um, for me, I think I never really looked at it as such of a big deal because I've been I've only been traveling to Disneyland technically for work since 2013, besides my one random trip in in 99. So I basically from 2013 to 2015, I had a normal castle. And then for what, a year and a half, it was the 60th anniversary castle. And Mm -hmm. then it was back to normal. And then a scrim was up for a long time. And now it's this castle. So like. For these years that I've been going, I've it's been very rare that like the castle has just been normal. So yeah, so I'm I'm used to the changes as they roll in. Nothing really, yeah. uh, nothing really catches me off guard with it. Yeah, well, I suspect it'll be this way for quite a long time. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and then on March 12, twenty eleven, Kim Irvine received the Theme Entertainment Association Thea. Um, Buzz Price Award, recognizing a lifetime of distinguished achievements. Because that was back in 2011. She she did a whole lot after that, too. So (laughs) anyway, so it's funny she got a lifetime award when she still has a lot in her. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Anyway, so so I hope that answers your question, um, Ani, about Kim Irvine. Um, I and hope it answered a lot and more, but we'll move on. And I'm going to jump back to Walt just because okay. uh, just we had one other question in there that I think people would enjoy hearing about. if We haven't talked about it before, but uh, Rhonda said Walt owned property in Palm String Springs area. Evidently, he used it as collateral when he was originally made his initial land purchase in Anaheim. I'm to understand the tie bar on Walt on the bronze friend statue at the hub has something to do with that property. Can you sort this out and tell a more complete story? Well, I think you can definitely make that yeah. More complete. Yeah, Walt loved the natural beauty of the South Mojave Desert. And, you know, when we had the uh, Mind Changing Nature's Wonderland, he he represented that very well in that attraction. What let me what Smoke Tree Ranch is, is it's an enclave of privately owned homes and rentable guest cottages. It's on 375 acres of natural desert. And the people who have purchased lots and built homes on it are referred to as colonists. And both the colonists and cottage guests have access to the property's all-inclusive three meals a day dining plan. Don't be late for the dinner bell, apparently. Uh, there's horseback riding and there's other ranch activities. Um, it, it's almost like a, a summer camp for adults. They, they have those kind of activities for the colonists and the, and the guests. Today, there's two homes and six cottages that have some sort of relation to the, to Walt Disney and the, and that are, that are still at Smoke Tree Ranch. And, you know, as I read once, this private resort community was um, sort of Walt Disney's own desert magic kingdom. Hmm. Um, Walt most likely learned of Smoke Tree Ranch when he'd go to Palm Springs to play polo and he eventually became a member of Smoke Tree Ranch in 1946 and he built his own house on the property in 1948 and later a recreational facility called Disney Hall and Disney Cottages were added to the ranch. Uh, Walt charmed them. 
Um, he would bring rough clips from movies that were in the making and show them to all the children on the ranch, um, both prior to the films being released. And, but as you said, Walt Disney eventually had to sell his home to raise money to build Disneyland. Well, when Disneyland was, became successful, Walt was able to buy a second lot and build another house, a larger home. And he moved into a second home on the ranch in 1957. He had, uh, of course, of course he had the idea to put a train (laughs) around his ranch house. Um, But the architectural committee wouldn't allow him to do it because they have very strict rules about maintaining the desert look of the community. And so Walt compromised and he put a sidewalk around his house instead so that his grandchildren and their friends could ride their bicycles and tricycles um, around the house. And I've heard the grandchildren talk about uh, all the fond memories they have of going there and playing with, you know, grandpa and granny and all that. They would talk about how, you know, he would bring scripts Tried. He would do this at, at the home, too. He'd bring scripts to read, but he would always leave the door open of the room where he would read it, the, the door that led to like this sidewalk that went around the house so that he could hear them and listen to them play. But then they could come in and climb on him and all that. And he, whenever they did that, he always put aside whatever he was reading and get, gave them his complete attention and played with them. And horsed around with them and all that. So anyway, now Walt often accompanied his wife, Lily. So, so again, this goes back to the question of what, the, what was their marriage like? They would go out on breakfast horseback rides and this was a ranch tradition and it would end up with a, a pancake breakfast in the desert with a large skillet to cook up the pancakes. And the group would sit together at picnic tables and enjoy their breakfast, you know, in the fresh outdoors. And so, but you know, basically you, you came to smoke tree ranch to play cowboy and apparently Walt was in the center of all the activities that went on at Smoke Tree Ranch. And Walt took a particular interest in Smoke Tree Ranch tradition of lawn bowling. And you can see his lawn bowling set at the Walt Disney Family Museum, with his, even with his um, monogrammed um, lawn bowling case. <laughs> and, um, and along with other lawn bowling enthusiasts at the ranch, Walt would get dressed up all in white and he'd spend the afternoon rolling lopsided balls across a hundred foot green space. And there would be lawn bowling tournaments and Walt and Lillian would give prizes out to the winners that were engraved with their signatures. And they, they still have those tournaments today and they're named um, for Walt Disney. So, um, and as you said, you've, you've seen the smoke tree ranch, um, brand and that's a hot iron that a cowboy uses to mark his cattle and you've seen it many times walt regularly wore an embroidered tie with the smoke tree ranch logo and it's derived from the original smoke tree ranch brand and you've seen him wear this tie in episodes of disneyland and walt disney's wonderful world of color and the design is based on the letters S-T-R for Smoke Tree Ranch. But the brand was never used because when you look at it, you can see it's very fine and the letters are very close together. It was too close to actually use as a real brand. Yeah. So they just used it on their items that yeah. they sold at the ranch and all that. Merchandising. So, yeah. 
So when Disney legend, Imagineer, and sculptor Blaine Gibson made the uh, – it was the partner's statue, not the um, – it's not right. called Friends. It's called Partners. Um, when he carved that, he included the Smoke Tree Ranch brand on Walt's necktie. And so you can see that at the Central Plaza or the hub at most Disney castle parks and at the Legends Plaza at the Walt Disney Studio. And I believe it in Paris – it's actually at the Walt Disney Studio Park, yes. Rather than rather than Disneyland, yeah. Right after you uh, go through their very bizarre shopping, <sighs> dining, undercover it, area, then it's right out in front of uh, where you want all your great pictures of Tower of Terror. Yeah, yeah. And um, so one of the oh, and Smoke Tree Ranch was uh, they banned. They were they were you know now like. We want in California, especially we it's all about water wise gardens and we're trying to get rid of lawns and all that. Smokey Ranch banned front lawns in the 1920s. So they were very forward thinking in that this uh, unless you own a home here, the only way you can visit is to stay in one of the guest cottages. And I've been told these book up years in advance. I know, though, that D23 in the past, they've had events there sometimes at Smoke Tree Ranch. Um, I know there have been other benefits and things like that um, at Smoke Tree Ranch. Uh, so um, they give you opportunities to go there. Oh, and if you have a friend that lives there, of course, you, you can yeah. go as their guest. So I don't have a friend that lives there. But if you do, I'd be happy to visit you. <laughs> Just let me know. So anyway, so there you go. That's that's the story of Smoke Tree Ranch and that logo on the tie. So now now when they release episodes of Disneyland or Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color on Disney Plus, check out Walt's tie to see if he had if he's wearing the one with the um the emblem on it. Okay, oh is that my turn now? Okay, let's see where we're at here. Um, let's see. Hmm. Do, 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 do. Oh, here's one for, oh, I skipped down to the, uh, films, Disney plus Walt Disney Studios section, Craig. Okay. Um, Jeanette Chico or, or Chico Roberts asked, what are your favorite or least favorite films from the dark ages of Disney animated classics and why? This is, uh, I, I mean, I'm just, uh, I don't believe I've ever heard of an actual dark age. I'm assuming we're talking about right before the Renaissance in that, that same sense. So, uh, but I, I don't know when people say that would start to define, but uh, so I'm going to say anytime late seventies through like great that's mouth I, detective. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Too. Yeah. But luckily my answer would stay the same, no matter what we really kind of set in. And my favorite from this time period is Fox and the Hound. So I, I love Fox and the Hound. I, I think visually the backgrounds are really wonderful. The, the, the animation itself, like a lot of, during that time period, it's a little rough. Um, not not the most 
glorious to look at, but I think the voice acting in it is, is wonderful. It's if you can get through that movie without at least shedding like one tear, then you might be a robot. Cause I'm even sitting here admitting that, that I get teary watching it. I just think it's, it's uh it's a real special movie. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. So, um, so I'll say my favorite and then we can say our least favorites. Okay. So, my favorite's also Fox and the Hound, which is really funny. Um, I love that film. I I like the sentiment like you that's in it. I like the story of, you know, childhood friends that through circumstances grow apart, but they still they still have that connection, but they realize their lives have gone in different directions. And and they're okay with it. And I thought, you know, and that that's sort of a lot how life is. Think of so many of our schoolmates that we grew up with, and then we go off in separate directions, but we we know they're there and all of that. But um it's just that's just sort of what happens in life. And I I I, I, anyway, I, and I, I just think it's I think it's a lovely film. I know it was, you know, that's the film that, um, you know, Don Bluth left the studio and took everyone with him. And there, so there was you know, it took a lot of the animators with them. So there there was a lot of scurrying around to get it done and all of that. So there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that went on with this film. But yeah. I just think it's a charming film. The short before it, too that when it was released in theaters was really good because this was, was it, was it like the, what number film was this that was released? It was a, a landmark number Fox and the Hound. I don't know. Was it the 25th animated oh, film or it was jumping out to me somewhere? Around yeah. 25. And so the short that it was released with was a beautiful retrospective of Disney animation. And I don't know if it's still out there, but uh, and and that enhanced the film, made it even more special. So anyway, so that that's so we both have the same favorites. So Craig, what's your least favorite? I honestly, I'm, I might be unpopular with some people, but I think the Black Cauldron is not that good. Uh, I, you know, there are people out there who love it and like have not pioneered champions for this this movie and always want it released on the next format that comes out and you know now it's on disney plus it's accessible and it's just it's entertaining but it's not it's not great it truly was a dark period in time so i i will watch it every now and then but to me it's i like i i don't even need to own it and i am a completist with how much i want to own so that's mine. Mine, and this is one, this was like my son's favorite film when he was a boy, Robin Hood, the animated. Mm-hmm. I I just don't care for this film. And it's interesting because I watched, I mentioned a few weeks ago, I watched the live action one from the 40s that Walt did. And I really liked that one. And you can see how they used the live action one for inspiration in this one, but I just don't care for it. I, I don't, I don't like the use of the animals and um, how they look so human. And I, I don't know. I, I just don't care for any of it. Even the music, a lot of the music just isn't my favorite. Um, 
See, that's I just don't care for it. I, I, I don't mind the music. I actually enjoy the music in it. And this was like one that I feel like they played on TV a lot because they could whittle it down to an hour and like mm-hmm. kind of cut out some parts probably with it too. And so I feel like I grew up watching it a lot. So for me, I don't I don't watch it that often. Like Kylie and I actually tried to put it on last week and I think we fell asleep before the opening credits even finished, but I, I don't despise it. It's not my least favorite, but it's not, I, I feel like it, it hits home for a lot of people. Like I'm, I'm 33. I think if you're like in your late thirties, early forties, I think Robin hood was like one of the most impactful movies on yeah. that time period. So well, that's, that's the age group my children are in and yeah, they, they loved it. Yeah. So, you know, that and Jungle Book so, <laughs> were, the, were the two that they loved. So and and Black Cauldron, when you said that, yeah, I think people that worked on it would agree with you. <laughs> I mean, that was a disaster. And, you know, that was that, you know, that's when Ron Miller, you know, had resigned, yeah. you know, was right in the middle of that. And the only reason that even got completed was because, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg or Michael Eisner saw look how much money has already been spent on this. We can't, they just couldn't justify shutting it down, even though they saw it was a disaster. And they thought with too much money has been sunk into it. They might as well just see it to the end. Yeah. I think, I think honestly, most of the Don Bluth movies that he did on his own outside of Disney, I think are better than the black cauldron. So, and that says a lot. Well, there was American Tale when when that was released, it did better than Disney's. Yeah. I mean, what when that when that Gummy Bear movie was no Care Bear movie was released, mm-hmm. it did better than whatever the Disney movie was that came out. Oh, what was it? It it might have been Black Cauldron. I don't know, but when but when Disney got beat out by a Care Bears movie, that's when they knew they had hit bottom yeah i want to say <laughs> i know they talk about it in sleeping uh yeah. awakening sleeping beauty it was either that because was it the rescuers down under i can't remember uh, which because rescuers down yeah. under was right after little mermaid so okay it had that's turned right around at that point it would either be black yeah. or then great mouse detective but great mouse detective kind of spurred that next revolution because it was like just on the border of being yeah watchable so it is a, yeah. it's a it's a watchable movie, but for me, it's it would not it would not be my least favorite nor my favorite in that time period. I have an original cell from that hanging just on our wall, just down the hallway. It was given to us as a wedding gift by the priest who married us. How nice! Yeah, yeah. So it's cool. So, anyway, alrighty. Is it? No, it's your turn now. It's my turn now. I'm going to ask a question from Jack. And Jack said, if you could choose to have any Disney film from the past adapted into a musical mm-hmm. for the stage, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, I thought about this. At first, I wanted to say Princess and the Frog because I love the music mm-hmm. and all that. But then I thought, you know, they they spend most of their time as frogs. And I thought... I don't know how they do that unless they did it as like how they do the Lion King kind of thing. And that was brilliant. But then I thought, because that's one of my favorite Disney films. But then I thought, you know, Tangled. I thought Tangled would make a great stage musical. 
there's some great rousing chorus scenes and a lot of good visuals, a lot of good visual humor that would be staged well Yeah, in that. And um, I think they could have a lot of fun with that on stage. They could have some really interesting effects in there too because you know that that's the big thing now with disney uh, you know broadway is that they they like whatever each succeeding show that they do is it there has to be some new amazing effects yeah that they introduce and there's there's a quite a few that they could put into this and um so i think t- i would go with tangled yeah i i was kind of leaning towards that too. I mean, they already like half took the step with Disney Cruise Line. Uh, the those uh, at the Magic, I think, has the they have the Rapunzel's uh, Rapunzel's restaurant, and then they also do Tangled the musical on that oh, ship for their special okay. their special show, and it's 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 good. Uh, so I feel like. Yeah, expanding out a couple other sequences, you know, maybe maybe even borrowing from like the animated series, some plot points, stuff from that. They could really make a, a full, well-rounded show. Okay, let's see. Well, there's one I can answer fast because okay. it's a one word. Of course, I never answer anything as one word. But Elise Morales. Hi, Craig and Michael. I hope all is well with you. Thank you for keeping me in your prayers. I have two questions. First, um... Do you think Disney will create another hand-drawn animation in the future? Oh, there is two. So, okay, I guess we can answer this one, Craig. If not, why? The answer is no. Again, I've heard this from people in Disney animation. They don't have they don't have the materials anymore. They don't have what what they need to do hand-drawn animation because they've gone completely digital. So, for them to do hand-drawn animation would be, they'd have to get everything together again that they need. So if Disney releases another hand-drawn animation, they would have to it would have to be farmed out to another studio with uh, with under the guidance and auspices of Disney. Yeah, you know, and all that. You know, like for um, was it Enchanted? You know, there was that whole intro mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and the end that was animated, and everybody said, "Oh, it was." Oh, it was, you know, Disney coming back to hand-drawn animation. It was done by another studio that Disney, you know, guided them on and had some of their animators work on and all that. But um, anyway, so, um, yeah, so it's not coming back. Now, unless there was a huge renaissance and there was money in Disney to retool and and bring in the equipment again, then – Maybe, but I don't see that happening. Uh, no, no, I do. I do think that the animation that we're used to right now is just it is something that we have right now. And it could be something we see for the next 50 years. But I have no doubt that the style of computer animation will change again and and adapt more. Maybe that is going back to to a more flat style animation a more 2d versus 3d but i it's it'll be whatever sticks next i mean you could look at something like like uh spider-man into the spider-verse which was Mm -hmm. really all over the place with with its animation styles that could be something that eventually catches on because people people loved it for its animation more than more than 
anything else with it. So uh, I, I, while I agree with you that going back to complete hand drawn is, is not, is not in the cards, at least in my mind, I don't think this, this is the end all be all of animation as well. Something will move it to the next level as well too. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I still prefer hand drawn animation because there's a warmth. We've talked about this before. There's a warmth that you get with hand drawn that they haven't been able to achieve yet with computer animation, but they'll get there. Yeah. I, I think they'll get there. So anyway. Um, okay. So Craig, what is your favorite? This is the second question. What is your favorite Disney hand drawn animated m- movie? Uh, that, of course, I, I know we have the same answer and that we're both on Pinocchio. So it's just it's it's perfect. I, I don't think there's yeah. there's much better ways to describe it than that. It's 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 perfect all around. It it hits everything right. It's the music, the style of the animation, the 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 pure artistry of it, the the story, the whimsy. Just it 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 hits it all. It really does. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and the the gorgeous gorgeous backgrounds and the shading and all that just incredible it's lush um but i have i have a classic favorite which is like you craig pinocchio i have a modern favorite and i've already mentioned and that's princess and the frog yeah i i i love everything about that film i like the story i love the music i like the humor in it and i like the message in it is that you know you got you got to work for what you want you know so you can't you just don't get things handed to you. Yeah. So. No, I, I agree. And yeah, my, my three, my three favorites, breaking them down into different eras. I, my first is, is Pinocchio. And then I love Cinderella and mm-hmm. I love the Lion King. And then my favorite character, as I've mentioned before, is, is Dumbo. So has uh, barely, yeah. he's just out of frame sitting up behind me, but yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's all my loves right there. Yeah. My favorite character sorcerer mickey which if you could see do a 360 around my room there's a lot of sorcerer mickey in my study here well unfortunately i think we have uh we've run out of time for questions but uh, the the thing is unlike uh unlike other times where we do this uh, there's still a lot more good questions we we didn't yeah, even there. touch on two categories that we have, i know so. we haven't talked about the walt disney company which there's a couple good questions in there and books yeah. where there's some good ones in there as well so, so should we do this one more time yeah yeah because yeah, i hate to say since we haven't touched on three categories and I think there's a couple good questions and categories we already covered. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with going for another week of this, and and people can look at us again. <laughs> what a surprise! We didn't even know I this know. was going to happen. I know. No, we always plan for two weeks. So hopefully, you all out there don't mind. I I um, don't think they do. Week. It's uh, people genuinely. Uh, they love our question and answer episodes because you know it really does. I don't want to like pat our own backs here, but it gives our chance. To, it gives ourselves a chance to shine with our personalities more than <laughs> just uh, just what information we can dig up. So yeah, yeah, or what we already know. Yeah, yeah. but um, but I, well, I like it too because our connecting to our family gets to be a part of the show. Exactly. You you all sort of write the show. 
in these question and answers with sessions, which is sort of nice. Yeah. So, um, so it's fun and, and it's unpredictable. You never know what's going to come next. Exactly. So great. So join us next week to see if your question was answered or to find out what, uh, what question, um, you know, what, what the questions are going to be, but we have more questions coming up. I have them for Craig because I'm going to ask him what happened this week in Disney history. Okay. All right, Craig. Well, this is the week of May 17th. So a lot of interesting things happened. All right. So you all set? Yeah, I'm, I'm confident. I'm feeling okay. Okay, good. Good. I think I do well this week. All right. This Disney, this is May 17th. This Disney legend received a window on Disneyland's Main Street, USA on May 17th, 2006. They were hired in 1954 as Walt's master map maker, and this artist's sketches were used to help design the park, Disneyland, especially Main Street and Frontierland. During their 32-year career, this artist also worked on several of the studio's films, including Zorro, Johnny Tremaine, The Shaggy Dog, and The Gnome-Mobile, and also played a key role at the 1964-65 New York World's Fair by contributing sketches for all four Disney attractions and was named a Disney legend in 1996. What is this Disney legend's name? I believe I know the answer for this because I have been uh, lucky enough to dine with with his son once, and that would be uh-huh. Sam McKim. That is absolutely right. I I've gone to his house at a party. Oh, really? Before with with Pete Werner. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he drew the first map of Disneyland, and he created those fun maps that are now collectibles. I have I have about four of them. And he passed in July 2004. But I love his maps. They're amazing. They really are. So the, the details, you can just pour over them for hours. Mm-hmm. He's so creative. And then he did the little borders around oh, them yeah. and yeah. all that. But I've, I have invited his son on the show so many times, but he still works for Disney. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to get active disney employees to be on the show because i want him to t- and i said don't tell me what you did i want you i want you to talk about your father <laughs> because and you know maybe that I, I thought that is how i could get him on the show and um but i was not successful one day one day the one day i hope align. so yeah i hope so because sam mckim was an amazing and very talented person absolutely so, anyway okay on uh, may 18th Disney legend, voice actor, sound effects editor, and Foley artist for Walt Disney Studios, Wayne Allwine, passed away at the age of 62 on May 18, 2009. What is he best known for by most Disney fans? He is known as the uh, the voice of Mickey Mouse for That's right. many people my generation. <laughs> That's right. He's the official voice of Mickey Mouse for three decades. And he was only the third person to ever voice the famous mouse full time. And what is very cool is he was married to Lucy Taylor, who was the voice of Minnie Mouse, who recently passed away. That's exactly what I was going to say. So which I 
until she passed away, I didn't even realize that like she had lent her voice to the Simpsons. So yeah, kind of like it was amazing now that Simpsons are under the Disney umbrella. That that how yeah. much of an impact she had on the the Disney culture overall. So it's it's cool. Yeah, I I haven't watched any of the Simpsons yet on Disney Plus. What they say now with um on the new ones that they're the new Disney. Simpsons short that they made that now and at the end when it says is it like Gracie films or something mm-hmm. and they show it and it's a theater Mickey is now in the audience oh I'll have to I, I haven't yeah. noticed that but I'll have to look for that yeah so anyway all right May 19th Haley Mills made her American film debut on May 19th 1960 with the release of what Walt Disney film it, I mean, I'm going to assume it was Pollyanna. You assumed correctly. That's right. And this not only starred Haley Mills, it starred Jane Wyman, Carl Madden, Malden, I should say, and Richard Egan and Nancy Olson. It was based on a novel by Eleanor H. Portrera. Um, it was Haley Mills' first Disney film and her American film debut. It earned her an Academy Award. And, of course, this is the orphaned yet cheerful Pollyanna comes to live with Aunt Polly Harrington, who sternly runs her small New England town. And I like this film. It's a little long, but there are so many well-known character actors and actresses in this. And it was filmed, a lot of it was filmed in Northern California. And I did, um, oh, in my Walt Disney in Northern California the, the talk I did at the Walt Disney Family Museum, this was one of the films I talked about in it. I talked about all the places that that it was filmed at. It's one of my mom's Here. favorite movies, so mm-hmm. uh, it was ingrained into me. Yeah, I love it. You know, And, uh, and I love that Endora from um, Bewitched is in it. <laughs> so, but uh, that one of my though, memories of watching this film, Carol and I met at a summer camp. And I was a, and we would have um, movie nights and, um, you know, in the different age groups, you know, the different camps yeah. would watch the movie. Well, th- it was Pollyanna one night and I had, you know, I was in the youngest group of boys because we had boys camp and girls camp. And so, and I had the youngest of the youngest. I had all six year olds mm-hmm. and, and all that. And so we're watching the film and I could tell. We lost them. I mean, <laughs> they were bored with this film. And this was back in the 70s. And when pa- I was horrified, when Pollyanna, remember when she falls out the window? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, climbing tree, the kids cheered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, definitely dear. action. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Anyway, I, that made me sad. <laughs> anyway. All right. May 20th. The Disneyland Pirates of the Caribbean celebration is held inside the Main Street Opera House on May 20th, 2000, to celebrate the 33rd anniversary of one of the most popular attractions at the park. Special guests included the very first woman hired as an Imagineer. What is her name? I know this. Um... We had her daughter on the show. I'm going to get here. 
And I think we told her more about her mother than she knew. <laughs> uh, Harriet Burns. That's right. Harriet Burns. I wish I could have met her. She just sounded like such a wonderful woman. So I honestly, I forgot about that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, it was, it was interesting. I've seen her several times since she goes to the Walt Disney family museum quite a bit and she's just the nicest lady. Yeah. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> All right. May 21st, on May 21st, 1998, legendary astronauts, Buzz Aldrin and Wally Shira participate in a dedication ceremony at Disneyland. What is being dedicated? Hmm. 1998, you said? Mm-hmm. I'm not... I, I don't have... I don't have an answer. I, I can't think of what was happening around that time period. Yeah. Well, it ended up being one of the biggest failures. Well, I know it wasn't Rocket Rod, so that's too early for that. Well. Or what was it? Well, I, think bigger. <laughs> I, you're, you stumped me on it. It's the new Disneyland Tomorrowland. That's okay. That's thinking bigger. I was not yeah. thinking that big. I'm <laughs> yeah. And, and various dedications will take place over the next two days. New additions include rocket rods, a high speed attraction running on the former people mover track. Red rockets, pizza port was a restaurant located in a former mission to Mars attraction, NASA space experience and the short, um, honey, I shrunk the audience. Um, was there as well. Also reopening is the Astro Orbiter attraction, originally known as the Astrojets, although it's completely different now. Mm. And and then they moved it to the entrance of Tomorrowland and placed it on ground level. So it, it was the focal point as guests stepped from the central hub of Disneyland into Tomorrowland and, of course, completely congested. It and is a mess. Yep. So it'll be interesting when Disneyland reopens because that's part of Project Stardust. They've been opening that area up. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting when they're done with that. And then if messing, it's going to help. Yeah. And they're also messing around with the, the look of that entrance area a little bit, too. Yeah. It's sort of going back to the way it looked yeah. in the 67 yeah. version and the the sad part is when when the walls were up for so long and astro orbiter was down for so long everyone was just hoping that they were taking it apart and moving it out of there and then nope slowly everything started to come back and yeah it's still the same yeah yeah and they can't put it back where it was because astro orbiter is too heavy mm -hmm. so they can't put it up there so i don't know oh well it was it was such a dumb move and that was mike it was michael eisner's idea <laughs> listen you, you <laughs> can't have a hold all the time no you can't so. okay uh, may 22nd a voice actor singer and disney legend passed away on may 22nd 2005 at the age of 91 in fullerton california their numerous disney credits include 101 dalmatians Alice in Wonderland, the Aristocats, and Cinderella, and can be heard 
in several Disney theme park attractions, including the Enchanted Tiki Room, the Sailing Ship Columbia, Pirates of the Caribbean, the Haunted Mansion, and Country Bear Jamboree. Who is this Disney legend? Hmm. I have an idea, but it's a complete guess. Um, Just... You didn't have me doing well with the films, but once I'm trying to piece together the theme park stuff, that's where I'm trying to get it. So I'm going to say Thurl Ravenscroft. Excellent. Very good. Yeah. Although I am surprised that's my piecing together, but I would have thought he would have died a lot sooner than 2005. Yeah, I know. Well, he lived a nice age, 91. Yeah. You know, but and of course, many people like from my generation know him as um, Kellogg's Tony the Tiger, and um, it, you know, it tastes great or whatever he used to say. And they're great. They're great. Yeah. And the deep voice singing, "You're a mean one, Mister Grinch," for the holiday TV classic, "How the Grinch Stole Christmas." Yeah, uh, I mean, we love him for his involvement with Disney, but yeah, I one and two at least of people in my generation, it's, I would say probably singing you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch first, and then Tony, the tiger second. Yeah. 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 And he was um, also a member of the mellow men. And that was a singing group who worked for Walt Disney and films, television and records. But you would see them occasionally in other appearances, like uh, especially up in San Francisco um, on variety shows, things like that. They got around, they, they released their own records. Yep. And all that. So I think I have a couple of them added into my uh, Apple Music. I know at least one. Yeah. Where did my May 23rd one go? I know I had it. Now it's not here. I don't know what I did with it. Hmm. Let's see. May, May 23rd doesn't get to happen now. Everyone oh, it doesn't. And I know I had it. I don't know what I did to it. That's weird. Well, we know it. We'll have it next week. Okay. So, Add it anyway. on. <laughs> okay. I will. So sorry about that. I must have inadvertently deleted it. So, all righty. So does that occur? Just want to make sure. Nope, it's not there either. Sometimes I write these on Notepad, and then I transfer them over to the script. But it's yeah. not on Notepad. So, okie dokie. I will make a note of that. All right. Well, that's it. Well, you did well. There was only one you needed a little help on. Yeah. What? Well, one that I missed and one that, well, that I needed the some thought on. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so you did a great job. Oh, thank you for making them easy this week. Oh, it's all relative. What's easy? What's easy to one person is hard for another. So, but I know, I know, I, I hear from our listeners. They'll they'll let me know sometimes how well they did. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> too, and all that. Okay. All right. Well, Craig, it's going to be um, it's going to be fun to do have a third week here of um, question and answer. Yeah, I'm. So very, we're breaking history on connecting with Walt for the we very are, first time. I know three weeks, all videos and uh, and all that, and a lot of video with story time with Michael and. I'm, oh, this you're all going to get tired of seeing us after a while. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I enjoy it while it lasts and don't get used to it. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, and then okay, and then your um, I put it down because I didn't want it to break. So, and your Mickey mug. Are you actually going to drink anything out of this? No, I'm not. No, uh, I'm not, not with either. that. It costs <laughs> it, it costs too much money to uh, yeah. once you added in shipping to to justify drinking anything. But I will enjoy looking at it for for a very long time. The one thing that drives me nuts about it, I noticed it's on yours too. There is a tiny little hole right under the nose and I cannot figure out yes. what that is for. Yeah, I don't know. Um, unless I know because if you filled it with anything, it would leak out anyway. So they must know you're not drinking out of this. Maybe. So. Do you think that's where when they were, was something attached to it? I have no idea, but I <laughs> trust me. Making it? I also looked online at the pictures of it and mm-hmm. the official pictures that they had posted on Mondo. Uh, they they show that on there as well too. So I know it's oh, not like funny. an error, at least <laughs> in the ones that were sent out, because that's on the one that they said this is what it's going to look like, but. I just don't know the reason why. And I guess that's a good time to say, too, that as of the time we're recording this, even though it was supposed to be sold for a very limited time until it was done and then never sold again, uh, you actually they reopened it like two or three weeks ago. So you can oh, now buy did. it again. So uh, it's a Mondo Tiki. So you can get it at Mondoshop.com. But I'll just I'll just say it now for the people who think we're crazy for getting it. It is $80 plus, I think, another $11 in shipping. So uh, but the nice part about Mondo usually is their Tiki mugs. Usually uh, if they're pre-orders, they inevitably don't ship for like six months later <laughs> when you first order them. So by the time that you finally got over the fact that you spent way too much money on it, it shows up and you're like, Oh, a present that I didn't spend any money on it. It's yeah. Here. And this was like over a year. <laughs> I think. So I'd forgotten I'd ordered it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought I forgot about it too, until there was uh this past Halloween, they released a, a lock, shock, and barrel and from Nightmare Before Christmas, and I had to get that because I am fortunate enough that I own the Jack Skellington Trader Sam's Mahalloween mugs in both, both styles. So I'm like, well, I need this new Nightmare Before Christmas mug, too, to go with that. Oh, and okay. I so I I remembered back in Halloween that we ordered Sorcerer Mickey, but I kept wondering where it was at. And then I got an update, an email update about that one, not sending out for another delayed uh, time period. And that like revived Sorcerer Mickey in my head again. I'm like, so one day I'll learn my lesson about buying stuff from them. It's they don't ship anything quickly. And your box looks like it's in great shape. My box is damaged, which annoys me not because i need the perfect box but if i was to ever sell it one day or you know pass it on a a lot of other people care about that so Mm -hmm. i don't ever i don't want to give a damaged product away but yeah it's good stuff yeah now i have to find the perfect spot for it yes but anyway until then Craig, where can our listeners connect with you on the Diz Unplugged network of shows? Yeah, you can find me on all these YouTube shows that I'm on and all the <laughs> audio versions. But uh, if you want to connect with me further on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Teleclaster. Michael, what about you? Well, you can send me messages at Michael at WDWinfo.com, Twitter at MBowling121, Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. 
Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz, and you can connect with both me and Craig on Twitter at Connecting Walt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers in Disneyland, check out our legacy Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes, either through the link that Craig provides in our show notes each week or at disunplug.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings when possible. Thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. Roy.